MLB free agency is officially open. I think we all can agree the Orioles should probably go out and sign some starting pitching this offseason. But the question becomes, who is out there for the O's to sign? And who is in their price range that's set by our least favorite person? Well, I'm going to put out my Orioles wish list of free agent starting pitching coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, November 7th, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are taking a look at the free agent class that is out there in terms of starting pitching this offseason. The O's are going to have to sign, I mean, at the very least, one starter. So we're going to look at who is out there, a lot of the names, and specifically my wish list. Now listen, there are some great pitchers out there like Blake Snell and Shohei Otani that the Orioles just aren't going after because John Angelos is not going to spend that money. So I'm going to give you my top 10 free agent starting pitcher wish list of guys projected to make $100 million or less in free agency. Now, will the Orioles even hit that number? Maybe not, but this is my somewhat realistic wish list for the Orioles this offseason. And that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms. Make sure to subscribe comment, leave a rating and a review wherever you listen, like, comment, and subscribe to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page as well. We are still five days a week throughout the month of November, so getting you all that off-season coverage for the O's. Then we go down to three days a week for December, January, parts of February, and then right back to five days a week when pitchers and catchers report to Sarasota in mid-February, so we've got you covered all off-season here on the Locked on Orioles podcast. And today is really kind of that start of free agency. We're now five days clear of the end of the World Series, which means that exclusive negotiating window for teams with their own free agents is over. Everybody, ha- they've made the decision who gets the qualifying offer, who doesn't. All of the team options, player options, mutual options, those have all been decided at this point. And now really is when the teams go out there and try and sign, usually, other teams' former players, and free agency really does begin. Now, We're pretty much about a month away from things truly happening because, as you may know, the winter meetings, which are about a month away now, they're in the first week of December, is really when free agency picks up in the baseball offseason. Yes, it opens, you know, here in early November, but not a lot of things happen for about the first month as GMs, teams, players kind of feel each other out in this process. But it makes it a good time to look forward at, okay, who is out there? Who can the Orioles sign? Now, This is my top 10 wish list, going from number 10 to number 1. Number 1 is my most wanted free agent starting pitcher this offseason. But I'm going to tell you right now, the top 5 starting pitchers, including Shohei Otani, who's not going to pitch next year because he's getting Tommy John, but should be ready to pitch in 2025 and is certainly going to get a very lucrative long-term contract and pitch in the future. If you include him, the top 5 pitchers on the free agent market this year, they're just out of the Orioles' unfortunate self-inflicted price range. What John Angelos is willing to spend, we don't really know because they haven't given out a multi-year deal to a free agent since Mike Elias took over in November of 2018. You know, It's been 
almost now five years since Michael Elias took over, they haven't given out a multi-year deal to a free agent. Kind of ridiculous at this point. You would hope that this offseason will be the one. If, and if they're going to get pretty much almost anybody on this list, they're going to have to give out a multi-year deal. But from all the things we've heard from John Angelos, he's not given out $100 million or more to any one player right now. Shohei Otani, Yamamoto from Japan, Blake Snell, Aaron Nola, and after that postseason performance, Jordan Montgomery as well, are all likely to fetch more than $100 million total in free agency, which means I'm just wiping those five off the board. Just unfortunately, unless John Angelos completely changes his mind overnight, the O's aren't getting any of those guys. So you take those guys out. Now you are left with this group. And I will start with number 10 on my list. That is the right-handed pitcher, Tyler Malley. Malley, who is about 29 years old, the ages I will give will be kind of their most of the 2024 season age. And that is 29 for Tyler Malley. And also, I'm going to give out projections in this episode for contracts. All of those projected contracts come from MLB trade rumors. Projected contract for Tyler Malley is two years, $20 million. Seems pretty much in the range for the Orioles, who I had heard were not willing to give out more than a two-year deal, maybe at most a three-year deal to a pitcher last offseason, and we're kind of sticking in that you know, $15 million, $16, 17000000 million per year range. Now, Tyler Malley is number 10 on this list only because... He had Tommy John surgery in May, and that is certainly going to push him back. He is absolutely not going to be ready for opening day of 2024, which is probably why Malley will sign exactly a two-year contract. He'll try to pitch half of the first season, the entirety of the second season, show that he's healthy, and then try to get his big contract after the 2025 season. That is most likely what Malley will do. The Orioles have a chance to take advantage of that. Tyler Malley you know, if timeline goes right, should be back around, you know, late June, early July, right around the all-star break of 2024. You sign him to a cheap two-year deal. You get him for a year and a half. When he was last fully healthy in 2021, because Malley did deal with some different injuries in 2020. He still threw 120 innings that year to a 4-4-0 ERA, but he was not himself. When he was last fully healthy with Cincinnati in 2021, 180 innings, 375 ERA, 28% strikeout rate. He was a really, really good starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. And since he came over to Minnesota, the injuries just took out most of his time there. Now, he's got the Tommy John. He's already on his way back. This could be a way for the O's to get a cheap guy who was kind of trending towards an ace before he got injured. Number nine on my list is a guy who... It sounded like the Orioles actually almost acquired at the trade deadline this year before they went and got Jack Flaherty. That is Michael Lorenzen, the 32-year-old right-hander who MLB Trade Rumors predicts will command a two-year, $22 million contract this offseason. Right in the Orioles' range, you would think. Now, Michael Lorenzen threw a career-high 153 innings this year, started the year with the Tigers, and was dealt to the Phillies at the deadline. And if you remember, one of those first starts with the Phillies, he threw a no-hitter. And then it was kind of downhill from there. Wasn't great with the Phillies down the stretch. Lost his rotation spot. He was put on the postseason roster, but only pitched a couple of times for the Phillies, mostly in mop-up duty. Wasn't really used in a big role. Now, Lorenzen kind of found himself back into a starting role this year with the Tigers. Those 153 innings were a career high and the most since his rookie year in 2015 with Cincinnati when he was still trying to be a starter back then and threw 113 innings. He was a reliever for a while, tried to be a two-way player for a bit, but had a 4.18 ERA this season in 153 innings, 
But he did have a 3-3-8 ERA with Detroit. Then it went up a bit after he went to Philly. He's a guy who just, you know, he's solid. And if it doesn't work out as a starter, he's shown in his career he can be a good reliever as well, which could certainly help the O's too. Number eight on my list is the 37-year-old left-hander Hyunjin Ryu, who the Orioles have seen quite a bit over the last couple of years with the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, MLB trade rumors did not have a projection on him. He was only in their honorable mention section of the top 50 free agents for this offseason, but most likely Ryu is going to sign a one-year deal, probably around the 13, 14, $15 million range for that one year. Now, Ryu, another guy coming off injury, returned from Tommy John surgery this season, made 11 starts down the stretch for the Blue Jays, and had a 3.46 ERA in 52 innings for Toronto when returning it. It looked like he kind of didn't even miss a beat after the TJ surgery. The strikeouts were down, but he wasn't walking, guys, and that is what Ryu has done his entire career since coming to the U.S. Just does not walk, guys. And if you go back to his last healthy season, because remember, he got the Tommy John about midway through 2022, then missed a little more than half of 2023. But if you go back to his last full season, listen, he did throw 169 innings in 2021 with a 4.37 ERA, but a 5% walk rate. And Ryu is a guy who... The ceiling is kind of capped right now, but he's got a high floor. And if he's healthy, he can certainly eat innings for you as well and be kind of a good veteran lefty in the rotation. Number seven on my list is the 36-year-old righty. Yeah, another kind of old guy in Lance Lynn. Another guy who was in the honorable mentions of the MLB trade rumors piece, so didn't get a projection. But Lynn is another guy who I would expect to sign about a one-year deal somewhere around the $15 million range to try and pitch at least one more season. Now, it was, um, we'll say, an interesting season for Lance Lynn in 2023. He led baseball, giving up 44 home runs, but... He did eat some innings through 183 and two-thirds innings, had a 5.73 ERA for the White Sox early in the year, then was traded to the Dodgers at the deadline. But he was better with the Dodgers. The Dodgers found some things that worked and had a 4.36 ERA down the stretch with L.A. I get it. That's not great. But he still had a start where he had 16 strikeouts this season. He still flashed the old Lance Lynn. But you don't have to go back that far for Lance Lynn to be really, really good. I mean, he dealt with that meniscus tear in 2022 and had a 399 ERA in about 120 innings. But I mean, even in 2021, 157 innings and a 269 ERA that season for Lance Lynn. I mean, he's been really, really good fairly recently. And I get, you know, he's going to be 36, you know, going on 37 years old. And he's coming off one of the worst seasons of his career. I understand it. But he's still shown that he can eat some innings, and if the O's can tweak some things that the White Sox weren't able to, and you have to think, you know, if the Dodgers would have kept him around for longer, they probably would have gotten him back into the old Lance Lynn. You can't trust the White Sox pitching development at all to make anyone better than they should be. If the O's are, again, diving in the bargain bin, Lance Lynn I could certainly see being a guy they go after. But coming up next, getting to the top six. Next three pitchers on the list. We will uh, stick with a couple of veteran guys, a couple guys in their mid-30s, and one guy still in his 20s who uh, is definitely looking for a bounce back. That is coming up next on the Orioles free agent starting pitching wish list episode. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, I'm still a little sad that the Major League Baseball season is over, but it doesn't mean sports are done because we got the NFL season going, and dare I say it, the Baltimore Ravens might look like the best team in the NFL. 
And you can score early this NFL season, as the Ravens have done a lot, with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 just if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season at FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So we're back here taking a look at the free agent starting pitchers who are out there as free agency kind of officially opened here today. And it's a good group out there. Now we know the Orioles won't be shopping at the top of the list with the likes of Aaron Nola and Blake Snell and, and probably not Jordan Montgomery either, who earned himself a lot of money as a Rangers playoff hero, helping them win a title this October. But I've given you 10 through 7 on my top 10 wish list. Let's get to number 6. Number 6 is another guy in his mid to late 30s. I've been talking about a few of them so far. This is the 35-year-old right-hander, Kenta Maeda. This is the guy who, if you made me pick right now, and you said you have five seconds, which starting pitcher are the Orioles realistically going to end up with this offseason? I would say Kenta Maeda. And that is kind of why Maeda is smack dab in the middle of my list, right? Number six on the top 10. His projection from MLB Trade Rumors is a two-year, $36 million contract, something that I know the Orioles had been considering handing out last offseason, so I think they'd be okay with that. And Maeda returned from Tommy John surgery basically for opening day this year. He tried to get back for the end of 2022 from the Tommy John that he got in 2021, just couldn't quite make it back, but was fully healthy in the offseason and was fully ready to go for opening day this year with the Twins. However... He made four starts, they were all bad, realized he had a different injury, it was a tricep injury, and he went down for a bit. But when he came back from the tricep injury, he posted a 3.36 ERA in 88 innings down the stretch for Minnesota. Now, they didn't use him as a starter, they had kind of a deep rotation, but did use him in bulk out of the bullpen in the postseason, and I think he is still a starter at least for the next couple of seasons. Now for Maeda, it's kind of a kitchen sink approach, but... I've always loved watching Kenta Maeda, and, and he's another one of these guys where if it doesn't quite work out as a starter, which you know, you're know you hoping these guys are going to, but if it doesn't, he's shown recently in his career he can be a very effective reliever as well. So even if you have to move him to that role, like it's very different than Kyle Gibson, right? More so that Maeda is just a much better pitcher, but also a guy like Kyle Gibson, you bring him in, and the Orioles kind of show this. Like Even if he struggles, he's not a guy who's shown he can like move to the bullpen and have success. Maeda's done that, right? Lorenzen's done that. Like these guys, some of these guys on this list have done that, which also helps as well. Number five on the list. This is the guy I struggled with the most. Where do I put him on this list? Like how much do I really want this guy? It is 29-year-old right-hander Lucas Giolito, who MLB Trade Rumors projects will command a two-year, $44 million contract this offseason. I kind of have no idea what to think of Lucas Giolito. A couple of years ago, I was all in on Giolito. And now, after the last few seasons, I don't know what to think. He did throw a career high, 184 and a third innings this season with three different teams. What a weird year it was. He pitched for the White Sox, the Angels, and the Guardians. Remember, he was on the White Sox. He was traded to the Angels at the deadline. Then a month after the deadline, the Angels realized we're toast, and they put all their trade deadline acquisitions on waivers that included Giolito. He was claimed by the Guardians, and then he pitched for a team that kind of fizzled out in September down the stretch. Now, he had a 4.88 ERA, 
in those career high 184 innings this year after he had a 4.90 ERA in 2022 in about 162 innings that year. Now the changeup in the slider, you look at the pitch mix, you look at how the pitches play, the you know data on those two offerings, they are still good. His fastball was also really bad this year, and it got crushed. Now the good Giolito, 2021, about 179 innings, a 3.53 ERA. That is the good Giolito. That was a guy who looked like he was trending towards ace status in the majors. Then it all went downhill the last two years. I don't know how much of that was the White Sox. Again, not very good at developing pitching and sustaining pitching. I think you should go after White Sox guys because I think, you know, they don't show a lot of their true talent when they're in Chicago. I just don't know about Giolito. If he's going to be as cheap as two years, 44 million, he's got a high ceiling. He's also one of the youngest guys kind of out there as a free agent at just 29 years old. Most of these guys I'm talking about in their early to mid 30s. So it could certainly work out for the Orioles. I just... There is a flip side to it where he's just as bad as he's been the last two years and you're just looking at like a number five starter who eats innings for you. And that's not, that's not what you want out of Lucas Giolito. But yeah, he's number five on my list. Number four is Seth Lugo, the 34-year-old right-handed pitcher who MLB Trade Rumors predicts to get a three-year, $42 million deal in free agency. He's a little more cost-effective for the Orioles, right? Get a guy for three years. That's only $14 million a year. That's a pretty good deal for the O's if they can get him. And it's been an interesting ride for Seth Lugo. Signed with the Padres this year, right? He had a, an option that, that he declined, so he opted out to become a free agent again. And he had been a reliever, had been a, a pretty good setup man for the Mets for years. But he still felt like he was a starting pitcher. And he looked for a starting pitching gig last offseason, and he got it with the Padres. And, you know, he did miss some time. It's about a month with a calf injury. So it was some injuries, but nothing to his arm. But when he was out there, 146 and a third innings, which was a career high, he posted a 3.57 ERA, 23% strikeout rate, 6% walk rate. And yeah, he missed that month. But, you know, it was his first year as a starting pitcher since all the way back in 2017 with the Mets was the last time he was a starting pitcher. Six years later, he returns to that role and he was pretty good. And to be honest with you, like, you know, he's got some really solid offerings, good fastball, breaking ball mix. And he also found a new pitch late in the year, incorporated a sweeper kind of starting in July, but really used it in August. Down the stretch in August and September, Lugo was really good. And that was because of that sweeper. Opponents hit just 130 against it, slug just 217, got good swing and miss. He maybe found a new offering that can take him to the next level. If he's going to be that cheap, three years, 42 million. That is a steal for Lugo, and, and he's another one of these guys who, okay, maybe it doesn't work out as a starter all year. He had been like an elite middle reliever to set up man with the Mets for the last couple of years, and he could, at worst, be a really, really good reliever at the back end of the O's bullpen. I feel like Seth Lugo is kind of the perfect signing for the O's. He would be number one. I just think there's, there's better pitchers out there that could maybe be in their price range, and that's who we're going to get to to finish off the pot, right? We got the final three guys to get to. These three, you could argue two of them could be aces, and one of them I'm just a bigger fan of than maybe anybody else, and that's why the three of them are in my top three. All three in their 30s. All three the Orioles have seen a whole lot as well. All three have pitched in the AL East, and, and maybe that would help them if the O's brought them in as well. So down to my top three on the Orioles' free agent starting pitching wish list for this offseason. Number three on the list is going to be Eduardo Rodriguez, the left-hander and former 
Orioles prospect who was signed as an international free agent by the Orioles, then was traded at the deadline in 2014 to the Red Sox for Andrew Miller, a trade that if you are still mad about or were even mad about at the time, you do not know ball because Andrew Miller helped tremendously for the incredibly special 2014 season that the Orioles had. Eduardo Rodriguez, now 31 years old, just opted out of the rest of his deal with the Tigers. A couple of years ago, signed a big free agent contract with the Tigers and was due three more years and $49 more million on that deal, but he had the opt-out after the 2023 season, and he chose to opt-out. So one thing that tells you is he's probably looking for more than three years, and he's certainly looking for more than $49 million. So the starting point is it has to at least be, at the very least, be three years, $50 million for Rodriguez to even think about it because he opted out of three years, $49 million. Now, MLB Trade Rumors predicts four years, $82 million, which would make the opt-out worth it for Eduardo Rodriguez if he got it. It has been a whirlwind last couple of years for Eduardo Rodriguez. When he was out there this year, 152 and two-thirds innings, 3.30 ERA. It was really good. 23% strikeout rate, took a perfect game into the seventh inning against the Orioles this year. Also had a weird finger injury that kept him out for a bit. Remember, he returned right before the trade deadline. They thought they would deal him. Tigers had a deal in place to send him to the Dodgers. He vetoed that Dodgers trade because he had a no-trade clause in his contract, said he didn't want to move from Detroit to the West Coast in the middle of the season, which was fully his right, and now he kind of gets to pick wherever he wants to move here in the offseason. Good for him. 2022 was a very weird year for Eduardo Rodriguez. He had a, a 408. ERA in 91 innings. He had a career-low strikeout rate, but he also was out for a couple of months and, and cited marital issues. He went about a month there with just no communication with the team. Seemed to be a lot going on off the field for Rodriguez, who's dealt with a lot. Remember, he had myocarditis back in 2020, missed that entire shortened season, had kind of a rough year when he came back in 2021. It's been a lot of ups and downs for Eduardo Rodriguez, but he's a lefty who gets a lot of ground balls, has that kitchen sink. He's got a lot of stuff that darts in, darts away, goes down, and just pitches move in every which direction. Has been really, really good in the past. Was good this year with the Tigers. Really, really good in the past with Boston as well. Could be a fit. Could be a fit for the Orioles, but be a little more spending to go and get Erod and, and kind of bring him home. Number two on my list is a pitcher that I have just been fascinated by really since he came up to the big leagues with the Cardinals almost a decade ago. That pitcher is 32-year-old right-hander Michael Waka, who MLB Trade Rumors predicts to get a three-year, $36 million deal this offseason. Waka, who had a two-year option, I think it was declined by the Padres, that made him a free agent this offseason. He was with San Diego last year. Had kind of a weird year. He, he suffered a shoulder injury in the middle of the year, which is never good. And sometimes if shoulder injuries are bad, they are worse than having an elbow injury for a pitcher. But he returned later in the year, and his velocity was actually up when he came back from the shoulder injury. And the shoulder is the one thing that can really just tank your velocity. So it was a good sign and seemed like he might be okay. But he had a 2.84 ERA with the Padres before that injury. He was really, really good. And in total, 134 and a third innings, a 3-2-2 ERA, like, you know, solid strikeout and walk numbers and a good ground ball pitcher, as Michael Waka usually is. Now, the concern with Waka, and I, I thought about putting him down to number three because of this, and this is the main reason he's not number one on my list, is that he has not thrown at least 140 innings in a season since 2017. It has been a lot of different, not 
usually major injuries, but a lot of different kind of minor injuries that Waka has gone through over the last five or six seasons that have not allowed him to be a true innings eater. But when he has been on the field, and I talked about this last offseason when Waka was a free agent, ended up signing the deal with the Padres, but becomes a free agent again. I talked about how, yes, there's a lot of question marks with the injuries, but sometimes you just got to take a risk because when he's been on the field and on the mound, he's been great. I mentioned the 2.84 ERA before the injury this year. He's only 32 years old. If you can get him for three years, $36 million, $12 million a year for a potential middle-of-the-rotation starter, that is the biggest bargain in the world. Johnny Angelo should be all over that. I mean, he's still got an elite two-pitch mix. The change-up this year, 36% whiff rate. Batters hit 207, kind of a reverse splits guy because of it. I mean, he's just nasty to lefties. That changeup is ridiculous. When he was with the Red Sox and other teams, the Orioles just saw it so many times and could never hit Michael Waka at all. Maybe I'm a little biased because of that because I've seen Waka just dominate the O's over and over and over again. But he's just been really good in his career. And then his four-seam fastball had one of his best seasons with the four-seamer. Opponents hit only 188 with a 323 slug against the four-seamer this year. It's really impressive for a guy who's kind of a change-up pitcher and a guy who, you know, throws in the mid-90s at best, but usually, you know, 91, 92 kind of guy with the four-seamer to have it be that good. That is really impressive. That shows that he can sustain that later into his career. I'm just a big Michael Waka guy. I think that combination just frustrates hitters, that fastball changeup combination, and he has breaking balls in there as well. But that combo frustrates hitters so much, I think he would be a steal for the O's to go get this offseason. But my number one guy on the list, who, when it's all said and done, could be out of the O's price range, because we know how cheap John Angelos is for no apparent reason. But the 34-year-old Sonny Gray is number one on my list. And I got to say, happy birthday to Sonny Gray. Today, November 7th, is his 34th birthday as he hits free agency. He's going to get paid, but maybe not Nola Snell Montgomery paid, right? MLB Trade Rumors predicts for Sonny Gray a four-year, $90 million contract this offseason. And I get it. You hear $90 million, you're saying, whoa, John Angelos is going to say he's underwater. John Angelos is going to say he's going to have to take out a second mortgage on his house if he gives out $90 million over four years to Sonny Gray, whoa, I mean, John Angel, whoa, he's, whoa. But I mean, if you really want to go get the cheapest version of a free agent, quote-unquote, ace, it is Sonny Gray. Now, there's another thing to think about with Sonny Gray. He received the qualifying offer from the Twins. The qualifying offer is a one-year, $20 million deal that he could decide to sign and go back to Minnesota. If he does not sign it, and he signs with another team, that team that signs him would forfeit a draft pick. So if the Orioles do sign Sonny Gray, they would forfeit their third highest draft pick over to the Twins. But here is if the Orioles had a, a normal-ish owner and a normal-ish GM, how they could think of it. Gunnar Henderson was named an AL Rookie of the Year finalist on Monday night. He is almost certainly going to win the award he is going to net the Orioles an extra draft pick because the new CBA rules, Henderson, a rookie, spent the entire year on the roster, going to win rookie of the year. That is going to give the Orioles a draft pick. If you think about it like that, okay, we're gaining a draft pick just because Henderson played well. And then if we lost one by signing Sonny Gray, it's just a wash. You end up with the same amount of draft picks that you had from before. And that Henderson pick that you would get would be right around... It would basically be that third pick that you would give up on the qualifying offer. So essentially, you could sign Sonny Gray and pretend like none of this draft pick stuff happened 
and you would go into next year's draft with the same amount of picks you thought you would have maybe like this time last year, right? Now, I'm not saying the O's are going to look at it that way. They very much value their draft picks, as we know. But if they did, they could talk themselves into signing Sonny Gray. He is a Cy Young Award finalist in the American League this year. Finalists came out Monday night as well. Unfortunately, Kyle Bradish not on there. But it's Garrett Cole, Kevin Gosman, and Sonny Gray of the Twins. 184 innings. He stayed healthy. He ate innings. 2.79 ERA. 47% ground ball rate tells you, wow, he's getting a lot of grounders. 24% strikeout rate. 7% walk rate tells you, oh, he's striking guys out too, not walking guys. That is the perfect combination of a starting pitcher. And I get, right, he's 34. It's a little worrisome to give out a four-year contract to a 34-year-old starter. But it's been done before. Guys have still had success. His sweeper this year might have been the best pitch in all of baseball. Opponents hit just 097 against it, 41% whiff rate. It was his second most used pitch. It might have been the best sweeper, at least, in baseball. And you even go back to 2022, where, yes, he did have a couple of injuries. Now, none of them were arm injuries, but it was still 120 innings to a 308 ERA that season. So even when he has struggled with the injuries the last couple of years, he's still been great, and he was healthy. He ate innings, and they were phenomenal innings for Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray would look perfect atop this Orioles rotation. Yes, they should still go try and trade for a guy or should really spend. But if we're looking at free agent starters, it is Sonny Gray at the top of my list. And Orioles, think about it. Just forget all the draft picks ever happened. You gain one from Gunner, you lose one from Sonny Gray. It's like it never happened. Just washes it out. Just do this one thing and be normal. Please be normal. Sonny Gray is really good. So please, 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 please maybe try to be normal. But that is my free agent wish list in terms of starting pitching this offseason. Tell me in the comments here on YouTube, what did I get right? Why was I wrong? Give me your top five right in the comments here on YouTube today. Give me your top five free agent starting pitcher wish list for the Orioles this offseason. That'll do it for today's episode. I'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do the bullpen version of this because 2023 showed us something. Between the struggles of the pen and Felix Bautista's injury, the lack of Dylan Tate, the lack of Michael Givens, the O's should probably get an adult reliever or two in free agency this offseason. So we'll do the same thing, but look at relief pitchers. Who would I like the O's to go after? That's coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.